Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Live by Live has all of your favorite music, and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit LiveXLive.com or search LiveXLive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome, everybody. It's Eddie Trunk, and it is time for another edition episode of the Eddie Trunk podcast, which you know by now is new each and every Thursday via podcastone.com, Apple Podcast, and of course, now free as well on Spotify. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to listen every week. Be sure to spread the word around the world about this podcast, bringing you great, huge newsmaking rock interviews each and every week. And this week is no exception. Hope everybody had a good week. Hope you enjoyed last week with Steve Gorman of the Black Crows, or formerly of, to be more accurate, uh, Steve was just fantastic. That book is an incredible read. And last week was something very unique, which was a podcast exclusive interview, meaning that did not originate anywhere else. The only place that interview exists and you can hear it is right here on this podcast. So if you missed it, it's still up there for you to grab. And I suggest doing so great stories about a great band and, uh, you know, a band that is what was supposed to be on a reunion tour right now, which of course, like everything has been backburnered because of the pandemic, but Steve would not be a part of that anyway, since uh, he is no longer in the black crows, but as an original and co-founding member, just the stories he has in that book is just a phenomenal rock read. So be sure to check it out. And I hope you enjoyed that interview last week. If you listened and if you didn't, Go on back and grab it. It was a great one, and I had a lot of fun talking to him for more than 90 minutes straight on last week's podcast. This week, some more great stuff for you. And we are back to bringing you interviews that originated on my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation, which you can hear Monday through Friday live, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, 
on Sirius XM Channel 106. That would be Volume. And it's available on the app as well, on demand. And it replays every night in its entirety, 10 to midnight Eastern. So be sure to listen if you're in the U.S. or Canada. and Come on board and join me for Trunk Nation on Volume each and every weekday with Talk That Rocks. The interviews I'm bringing you today first aired on that show a little over a week ago. And the first one coming your way is with Lars Ulrich of Metallica. Interview number two is with Robert DeLeo of Stone Temple Pilots. Both of these interviews this week need a little context, so let me give them to you. First, Lars. So the deal is that if you are a listener of my show, Trunk Nation, on Sirius XM 106, then you know that from time to time, I do this feature called the Trunk Top 20 where I come up with a list of my 20 favorite songs from a certain artist. And then the following days after my list is revealed, I let you call in with your lists and your 20 greatest songs from that artist. So last week I did that with Metallica. And it was probably, not surprisingly, one of the biggest ones I've done in terms of audience participation and involvement and just, I mean, so much fun. With the catalog Metallica has, you can imagine how everybody would have a differing view and a differing opinion, and those make for the best top 20s. And also, you know, they've got so many songs and so many records, that makes for a great one as well. So I was doing the top 20, I had revealed my list, and I reached out to Lars and asked him, if he would be willing to call in to the show and give us his list of his personal top 20 Metallica songs. So Lars called me the day before and we talked off the air and he had said to me, he goes, you know, I would, I just don't feel comfortable making a list of my own songs, which I totally understand. It's not something everybody wants to do. He said, but I would like to call in and just shoot the shit with you a little bit. And, you know, give some context about some of our songs or talk about some of the ones that are showing up on people's lists. So, of course, I said, yeah, that would be awesome. Let's do it. And originally he said, let's make it a surprise. And he didn't want me to pre-promote he was going to do it. And then an hour before he called in, Metallica's social media tweeted out that he was going to be on with me. So that, you know, sort of put the word out, which was all great. So what you're about to hear is Lars calling in in the middle of what was a Metallica countdown show where people calling in with Metallica lists of their favorite songs. And it's it's just sort of a wide ranging, loose conversation where we get into some stuff about the, the many covers that Metallica did, uh, some of you know the, the landmark songs. Just a very loose, just kind of hanging conversation. But understand it was done around this list of people calling in top 20 songs. So that's the first interview. And anytime you get a chance to talk to Lars, it's just awesome. I mean, one of the things I've said in all the decades I've done stuff with the guys in Metallica and known the guys, and they're, they're a huge part of my personal history coming up, starting a metal show back in 83, one of the things I've always said about them, and I stand behind this, and I think it's more true than ever, is the fact that they never forgot what it was to still be fans, regardless of the fact that they are one of the biggest bands on the planet. They're still fans. At the end of the day, they still remember what it is to be a fan, and I've always respected that, among other things, so much 
about the guys in Metallica. And, and no further proof needed than the fact that he just called in. You know, this was not some sort of big structured thing. I mean, look, I'm fortunate enough to know him and be able to get in touch with him and drop him a text. But, I mean, he said, yeah, I'll call in. Let's, let's just see what goes on and let's just talk a little bit. So it's just, it's just amazingly cool because you're talking about a founding member of, without a doubt, across all genres of music, one of the biggest bands on the planet. And uh, he's always been that kind of guy, and I just think it's great. So Lars first, second, Robert DeLeo of Stone Temple Pilots. Now, the context on this is also important because the day Robert called in to my radio show last week, Stone Temple Pilots were about to do a live ticketed streaming concert where they were playing core in its entirety. You're going to hear that discussed in this interview. However, the obviously that's already taken place. It's done. It's happened. It happened last week. So keep that in mind. The concert we're talking about and he was promoting has already taken place. But And I didn't get a chance to see it because I was out, but I'm sure they did a great job. They're a great band, and it's really cool that they did this. I hope, and I don't know why I asked Robert this, I hope that they go through the rest of their catalog. It would be really cool if they go through the rest of the catalog and do other records start to finish. I think that would be awesome. But he didn't sound too committed to wanting to do that. Although, you know, have, have a listen and, you know, see what you take from it. So anyway, that's what we have. We've got Lars Ulrich first, Robert DeLeo of STP second. I mean, just huge stuff. And I hope you enjoy it on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. It's coming up in just a few. Remember, social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, fan page on Facebook, Instagram. Twitter is where I would be most active. EddieTrunk.com is the official online home. And, uh, yeah, I think that sort of covers it as far as the Open is concerned. Let's get to Lars Ulrich coming up right after this to kick us off on another two-headed monster Eddie Trunk podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Well, America's ready to get back to work, but to win in the new economy, you need every advantage to succeed. Smart companies run on NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. With NetSuite, you'll have visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need all in one place. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite lets you manage every penny with precision. You'll have the agility to compete with anyone, work from anywhere, and run your whole company right from your phone. Join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to make it happen. NetSuite surveyed hundreds of business leaders and assembled a playbook of the top strategies they're using as America reopens for business. So receive your free, yes, I said free guide, seven actions businesses need to take now and schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash trunk. Get your free guide and schedule your free product tour right now. NetSuite.com slash trunk. That's NetSuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash trunk, T-R-U-N-K. NetSuite.com slash trunk. 
This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Okay, we're back with this week's podcast. It's Eddie Trunk here. And as I mentioned, first up, it's Lars Ulrich. Coming up right after Lars, we get to Robert DeLeo of Stone Temple Pilots. So don't go anywhere. But first, co-founding member of Metallica, Lars Ulrich. One of the things I've always said about Metallica, one of the most amazing things to me about Metallica, is that regardless of how much success they've had, and the success has been incredible, they've never forgotten what it is to be a fan first and foremost, and I respect the hell out of that. And to that end, joining me right now, live on Trunk Nation, is Lars Ulrich. Thank you so much for calling in, brother. How are you? Hey, man. I'm doing well. Thank you for uh, those nice words. And uh, I was uh, listening in for the last couple minutes. I'm like kind of humble, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's like, wow, this is all crazy. Uh, well, all because having, of uh, your friendly fun. neighborhood California little rock and roll band. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, we're having some fun. And, you know, I, as I was telling you last <laughs> night when we spoke, I've done this for a while now. And we were we were leading up to getting to Metallica because I knew it was going to be a big thing. And I knew your fan base was going to get so into it. And they are. Oh. And lines are jammed. We're going to do this for the next couple of days. People are having so much fun. But here's the thing, Lars. And I know you didn't want to do a list. And I get that because, you don't. You know, these songs are probably all like your children. But the thing that's really cool about this so far in the early going is hearing from whether it's my list or fans list or Slagle or Charlie Benanti or Jericho or any of these guys checking in. Everybody has a very different look to the tracks they're putting in their top 20, maybe more so than any other band. And I think that speaks to the strength of the Metallica catalog and to some degree, the diversity in it. Um, I think that's a really cool thing and something I'm sure you're pretty proud of. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I was uh, catching the last couple of minutes of, of your previous segment there as I was on hold, and, and you're talking about, obviously, uh, it's pretty crazy, and, and who would have thought that, uh, you know, almost 40 years after Johnny Z uh, was knocking on your door and demanding that you play Jump in the Fire, that... You, you and I would be on the radio still talking about Metallica and still talking about Metallica. I guess, for lack of a better word, in the in the present tense. And so, um, like you said, you know, the journey has been so long that you know most people have different relationships with that journey and different times. And you were saying how you you know got into it, you know, right there at Kill 'Em All and other people. Obviously, coming in later and and that revolving door, you know, when they enter into their teenage years or whether it's trickling down from, you know, mom or dad or or whatever it is. But, you know, so many different people have a different relationship with it, uh, including myself and including, obviously, the boys in the band and and all of us. And and so, you know, through almost 40 years, uh, so many different phases, so many different... um, sort of uh, periods and different moods. And, and I, I guess the one thread that kind of goes through all of it when I think about it, and, and hopefully this is part of I mean, it's very uh, difficult or maybe sometimes even uncomfortable for me when you start really dissecting and intellectualizing why it works or why it connects with people. But uh, but because, you know, music maybe is just a, a, a kind of a thing that should be 
put out there and an instinctive and, 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 and a beautiful art form that, that shouldn't be overly intellectualized. But I guess the one common thread, whether it's is this era or that era or these couple records or long hair or short hair or, or this or that or whatever, is that we've always put out or written or shared, you know, whatever we felt was true to the moment for us at any given time. So it's never been about we've got to force ourselves to, you know, satisfy these people or, you know, the last record was this way. So now the next record's got to kind of make sure and cover these bases. There's never been that kind of thought or that kind of, of purpose behind it. So every record, every song, every era has always been a reflection of what was our truth at the time. And of course you can sit you know, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 years later and go, Hey, what's up with the snare drum on St. Anger? Or what were we thinking when we did that? Or, you know, where's the bass on the justice album or any of these questions that, that the whole community engage in, including ourselves, obviously. But at the time when those decisions were made, they were, they were truthful to the moment and they were instinctive and, and, it was it was the right thing to do at that time, and I guess ultimately, uh, when I look back on Metallica, uh, and even though as as you know, I, I'd still like to hear myself say that our best years are still ahead of us, but that when I look back on coming up on on forty years, that's I guess ultimately what I'm the proudest of is that we've always adhered to to the truth and and to the, the sort of instinctive mood and and energy of that particular moment. I think one of the incredible things when you, when I'm hearing from all these fans and again, I'm going to continue doing this much of the next two days because there's so many people that make these lists and get excited. I want to, I want to hear their voice and I want to talk to them about where they jumped in. And it's always interesting how, how old they are, where their first record was and all that. But one of the things that I think you guys have done incredibly well is not only have you made this music, but you have found a way and I think it's one of the reasons why the band's so huge beyond the quality of the material is the fact that you have found a way to keep everybody under the Metallica umbrella, regardless of where they jumped in and regardless of even if there were periods in your career that they didn't really like or were adamantly against, you've still kept them under the umbrella Maybe it's because when you play live, you represent it all accurately. But is that something you guys think about maybe when you put together set lists or when you go on tour that you're now playing to a few different generations of fans who all come into your story at a different time and that you want to make sure they're all included in some way and keep them all on the train? Is that a cognizant thing for you guys? Uh, well, I I mean, I yes and no. I mean, obviously... Uh, you know, when James talks about the Metallica family, I mean, that is the truth. I mean, we're, we've always been very welcoming. We've always been very embracive and we've always felt the connection to anybody that wanted to take this ride with us. So yes, in, in that, you know, the doors open, we don't judge, you know, come join the party, the rest of it. But at the same time, obviously, um, you know, we, we, we do sort of still, at least when we write and when we record, you know, that, you know, if we're not feeling it, we're not going to share it. 
so it always always have to ha- it always has to have the songs always have to have that that truth to them but obviously when we um when we tour and when we uh when I put set lists together and so on you know it's all about balances and and I've talked about my set list uh you know the details of the set list uh in terms of always trying to if we're in a particular city, you know, we try to not repeat deeper cuts that we played the last few times, try to throw, you know, different deeper cuts in there. And, and you know, at, at some point, I think on the Death Magnetic and the Hardwire Tour, especially on the Death Magnetic, I think at some point we were rotating up to 60 or 70 songs uh, and, and, and could pretty much play that amount of songs, you know, at, at about an hour's notice. And so every night the set list, set list would be really different, not just obviously for the fans, but also for us and the band to make sure that we didn't end up on autopilot. And so every night, changing the songs would kind of keep us on our toes and also make it fun and challenging for ourselves. So there's always been um, the elements. I think we sort of straddle both sides of it, which is we got to keep ourselves happy and satisfied and that way it stays pure and true but at the same time we are obviously also like you say cognizant of of the fans of the multiple generations especially in the last uh, few years you know with social media and, and how i feel that we've connected to a whole nother uh, generation uh, on social media and, and now on the, on the hardwire tour uh, i mean there was a uh, probably close to 50% of kids who had never seen us before, who were 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 out there getting their first experience, uh, you know, of uh, the first dose of Metallica. It was incredible. And so a lot of that, obviously, because of social media and, and, and so on and so forth. But you try to be cognizant of everybody, but at the same time, you know, instinct, uh, <laughs> Again, like I said before, if if I knew a hundred percent what the answer was, uh, I probably would just call it a day. Because I think part of of what makes it so fun is that there is an element of 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 yes, we know these things, and yes, the set was this, but there always always has has to be ten or twenty percent instinct, ten or twenty percent kind of momentary impulsive madness, uh, all the rest of that to keep it kind of, uh, you know, a little bit of rock and roll and a little bit of, of just kind of basic human interaction. And so we've always, you know, the, the stories are, you know, Metallica are not necessarily the most well-rehearsed band in the world. And, you know, then all of a sudden they switch up instruments and then they start a song over because somebody screws up or whatever. So we're very proud of the, uh, of the human element. Uh, yeah. and, and, and we like... Uh, we like to remind people that we're just, you know, four dudes in a band trying to figure it all out, all out like everybody else. And, and I think that's a part of, uh, that energy is a part of, of, of what drives, uh, the whole, the whole thing forward too. And it reminds people that you're a real live band because one of the things that makes me bonkers 
today is so many of these bands relying on electronics and tracks and all these safety nets. It is remarkably refreshing. I welcome mistakes from bands I love when they play live because that's what a real live experience is supposed to be, warts and all, better nights than other nights. Thank Thank God you're doing it like that. Come join the Metallica party and all the ensuing human uh, elements that follow, including (laughs) mistakes. Yeah, no, I mean, we... That's, I mean, just uh, something we've always loved when we're on stage, and 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 I guess the other thing I was thinking about when um when I was listening uh, on hold for a couple minutes, listening to you finish your thing, I I I guess I feel that um when we started touring, obviously we were very very young. Um, we started playing in Europe, uh, touring. Uh, on the back of Kill 'em All, I was still 19. I think Hetfield and I was still 19. Kirk was maybe 20. Cliff was 20. But I mean, young. You know, I started the band when I was 17. I think Hetfield was maybe 18. Whatever. But I mean, young. And we were around. So all the crew, all the crew people that we got hooked up with, all our backline guys, sound lights, all the people that we were around. And this was back, you know, 80, 80. Four, uh, I mean, you were on the same bus as the crew, and they were all English dudes, and they were all super cynical, super sarcastic, you know, sort of hardcore English road crew that had been there and done it type of thing, and there was none of the, oh, these guys are the band members, and we should treat them with respect, or there was none of that whatsoever. So we were exposed to a... uh, a severe deal of uh, of cynicism and kind of uh, not taking yourself too seriously and always kind of, um, you know, being uh, self-deprecating and, and, and kind of having a bit of a laugh. And so I think that that energy has also predominantly for close to 40 years been a part of who we are is that at the end of the day, we just don't take it all that seriously because uh, I think that that somewhere it, it, it'll suffer if you just, hey, we're so cool and we're so perfect and we're going to do this and we mean so much to so many people. Once all that starts entering your head, I think that uh, you can end up in a real tailspin. So I think that that degree of, of always having English you know, and then subsequently, obviously, a few years later, we were not on the same bus as the crew, but we've primarily, you know, always had English tour managers and English, you know, guys around us, the the, the assistants and, and the people helping us. I feel that they've always uh, kept us in check, and uh, there's always been that kind of uh, self-deprecating and and not super serious energy flowing through Metallica ranks. And I think that's been uh, a significant part of shaping who we are also. I want to talk about some songs because, because so much of this is about your songs in the catalog, but you mentioned something a, a little while ago where you said, you know, people, the debates about the base or lack thereof on injustice or the snare on St. Anger. When you look back on that, you guys like, cause again, at the end of the day, what I love so much about all you guys is your fans. I mean, I talked to Kirk for ages about UFO and Yuli John Roth, or I'll talk to you about something. So that that's what is so much fun about this. So when you look back on those decisions, the base on injustice or the snare on St. Anger, you stand behind that years later. Now that that's passed, are you comfortable? I I I 
stand behind it 100% because, like I said, at that moment, that was the truth. And right. so, you know, I, just my personality, I always look, I'm always just looking ahead, always thinking about the next thing. That's just, you know, how I'm wired. So whether it's, you know, in Metallica, always thinking ahead or in my personal life or in relationships or whatever I'm doing, I'm just always thinking ahead. I'm Sometimes, arguably, I spend too much time in the future, but I rarely spend any time in the past. And I, um, and so the only time this stuff really comes up is in interviews. And so you sit and you get a chance to reflect in interviews, and it's like, okay, I hear saying anger. It's like, okay, yeah, it sounds like a that's a pummeling and a half, and and there's a lot of incredible raw energy and 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 it you know it's like whoa i mean it's being slapped around a little bit but the snare thing it was like a super impulsive momentary like we were working on on a riff headfield was playing a riff in the control room and i ran i've told the story a thousand times i i it was like all right, i need to put a beat behind that and i ran in uh into the to the tracking room and uh sat down and played a couple beats over this riff to not lose the, the, the energy of the moment. And I forgot to turn the snare on. So, um, and then we were listening back to it. and It was like, wow, that sound kind of fits that riff. And it sounds like weirdly odd and kind of cool. And then I just kind of left the snare off for the rest of the sessions, more or less. And then, you know, it was like, yeah, that's cool. That's different. That, that'll, uh, that'll fuck some people up or that sounds like that it's part of the pummeling or whatever. And then it becomes this like huge debated thing. And, and sometimes, you know, we'll kind of sit on the sidelines and go like, holy shit, we didn't see that one coming in terms of the, the issue that it turns into. But so to answer your question, I'm proud of all of those decisions because I know at that time they were the truth and they were, it, it was the instinctive and, and the right thing to do. And then, you know, 20 years later, it's like, well, how does that sound? How would it sounded like if the snare was on or how would it sounded if we did two instead of four or how would it sounded? I mean, I don't know, but I don't, I don't really think about it, to be honest with you, other than when I'm confronted with it in interviews. Um, and I, I wouldn't change a thing about the past. I mean, of course, you know, how, how far are you going to push that? Of course, yes, uh, the bus accidents and, you know, other you right, know, things like that, of course. But I, I, I just... The, the point the, the point of what I'm saying is I just don't spend a lot of time sitting there going, well, if we hadn't done that and if we did this instead, I, I'm just always too busy about what we're doing next. And that's just my MO. And I think, I think all of us in Metallica generally operate like that. And um, so we're just always excited about the next thing, the next thing, the next record. And, and like I said, um, you know, uh, people... I'd say this often, but you know, people always go, "What's your favorite Metallica record?" My standard answer is, "My favorite Metallica is the next one, and uh, and the next song we're going to write, and the next album that's coming." Because if you don't think that your best work is still ahead of you, why do it? And so I'm always, uh, we're always so excited about 
the opportunities that lay in front of us. And um, so a little bit like you and I talked about uh, yesterday when we connected, um, I'm happy to talk about the songs, and I think it's great. I'm so happy that my pals uh, Chris Jericho and Brian Slagle and Benante and everybody at So Cool, the Brewer, are coming up with lists. And obviously I have certain songs that I like to play live that are maybe more uh, challenging or more uh, fun or more uh, kind of uh, inspiring or, or looser or whatever. And certain things like, you know, I love playing Sad But True because every night I can play 20 different drum fills and that song's less rigid than certain other songs or whatever. And obviously there are some deeper cuts. We were talking last night about kind of what I call the broken, beaten scars of the world, you know, like these deeper cuts that when I listen to them, it's like, wow, that's fucking Love holds that up song. pretty well yeah. 10, 15 years later, whatever. So it, it's not that, of course, I can't join the conversation, but ranking them as, a, as you know, 1 through 20 or whatever, and <laughs> that 13 theoretically is better than 14, that's a little... Uh, <laughs> That's a little beyond my capacity. I uh, <laughs> I get it. I, I was asked uh, a couple weeks ago to uh, to do uh, uh, like my favorite. Uh, I can't remember fifty or twenty five or if a Rolling Stone. Uh, they're always uh, super nice and ask me to contribute my favorite songs or favorite albums or whatever of, of other artists. And you know, I I say I'm happy to. Uh, to participate, but I can't rank them in order uh, because, a, again, is is you know uh, I don't know uh, Made in Japan a better album than uh, No Sleep Till Hammersmith? I don't know. Uh, they're both great albums. I I don't know if one's three and and the other's four. Do you know what I mean? But I so I I, I rank these. Uh, I ranked all these albums for Rolling Stone. It just out. It, 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 you know I put them on the list and did them alphabetically. And that's kind of how I, I do this stuff. So I'm, I'm happy to call in. Always a, a pleasure to, to connect with you. Uh, uh, but I, I can't do the ranking myself. That just seems, uh, <laughs> and also because I kind of, uh, I think these things to me, at least, um, you know, if, if I were to do 20 favorite Metallica songs on this phone call, if you and I spoke next week, there may be a different list. So I, I think this, to me, has to be very much about just the moment, you know, that the moment that you're in. And, and there are records on that list that I did for Rolling Stone that maybe mean a lot to me in 2020, but didn't turn me on as much in 2015 or whatever. Or if I did another list in 25, it may look differently. So I think you always have to be truthful to the moment. And I think that's a, a pretty, um, I guess, uh elemental part of the Metallica story is, like I've said a couple times already today, it's sort of just about the truth at the moment and um, and kind of just what was turning you on and, and what were the energies that were converging at that particular time. All right, let me ask you before, because, you know, before you know it, I'm going to be out of time here and there's so much I wanted to ask you. But <laughs> You and let, I could talk for five minutes. Maybe one day we can. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, and we should mention you've got that S&M record coming, uh, too. So when you're ready, that's and right. I know you put some stuff out, so when that's ready to be released, the day it comes out or before, you know, come back on, and we'll dig into that once I have a chance to, 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 to listen to it and, to, and watch yeah. it. You know the door's always open. But what 
one of the things that's coming up as we're going to go through these lists from fans today and the next couple of days is the covers like you, you Metallica may be more so than any other band has worn the influences very proudly on, on their sleeve. And I actually had a guy call a little while ago today telling me he got turned on to queen because he heard your version of stone cold crazy. And then of course, you know, there's budgie and diamond head and all this other stuff. So we're seeing people come up with, sprinkling through some of the covers you've done over the years. And, you know, you guys have been very uh, proud about showing those influences and doing those covers. Absolutely. Where do you, where do they, where do they slot in, in the big catalog picture for Metallica? You have to remember, I mean, you have to remember that, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, Metallica started as a cover band. So, you know, when, when we got together, uh, and and we were there in Southern California. Now it's uh, February, March of '82, and we're like, you know. So there were kind of two paths at the time. One was uh, one was that you you basically were sort of like a cover band, and you would play, uh, you know, sort of like bar bar favorites, you'd go out and play, you know, Smoke on the Water or Ain't Talking About a Love or Rock and Roll All Night or, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, Black Dog or whatever, right? That was kind of one thing. Or the other thing were you would play all, it was called originals at the time, right? <laughs> you would play your originals. And so we were like, we weren't particularly interested in going out and playing a, a, a Led Zeppelin uh, evening and and we didn't have any songs that were quote originals uh but at the same time we were full of spunk and full of piss and full of vinegar and ready to go and wanted to go out and play and 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 interact and sweat and, and the whole thing so we basically came up with another way which was a combination of the two which was you know we'll play a bunch of cover songs but they were all songs that basically nobody knew so we didn't go out and say, here's a bunch of, you know, now we're playing an hour's worth of material and they're all our own songs. Uh, we didn't go out and play an hour's worth of Led Zeppelin songs. We went out and played Diamond Head songs and Blitzkrieg songs and Savage songs and all these different cover songs. And and then we had an hour's worth of material and we played shows all over uh, Southern California and it was super fun. And so we played four or five Diamond Head songs and all these other things and and it sort of got us out got us playing and and we were playing gigs and then back in the rehearsal studio we were writing and working on our new material and obviously gradually uh the the our own material uh, replaced the cover songs but all those songs whether it's the am i evils of the world or the helplesses or you know the 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 let it loose or you know songs like Blitzkrieg or or whatever. I mean, obviously those songs have remained um, a pretty big part of of who we are, and will always. At, at obviously as music fans, uh, you were talking about Kurt before, and and uh, myself, uh, you know, and and all the boys. We'll always talk about our influences, our inspirations, and 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 I can look you in the eye, and, and as you know, forty years later, we're still as big fans of of the music around us and, 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 you know, that we grew up on that shaped us. And then the music that, that turns us on, you know, today, uh, 40 years later. And, and so we're still incredibly huge 
music fans, and I'd say even beyond that, you know, fans of film and art and and whatever else. But it it, it you know covers and and other people's material and and you know when I hear a song that really turns me on, um, often I want to play it. And uh, so obviously, uh, you know, pay, uh, paying tribute to the merciful fates of the world or to, you know, people like, uh, Nick, you know, uh, Nick Cave or to the Discharges or the Blue Oyster Cults, uh, you know, and, and all these different bands that have had such a big impact on shaping who we are over the years is a great, uh, great joy of ours. And, um, and to be honest with you, and I've said this before, you know, sometimes, um, playing other people's material, you know, like we do with, uh, with, uh, for instance, when we play the acoustic thing, uh, the acoustic, uh, we've done, you know, Neil Young's tribute, uh, 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 or, uh, Neil Young's, uh, charity concert a couple, three, mm-hmm. four times. We did our own thing last year. Uh, we play a lot of cover songs and we love to reinterpret, uh, other people's material and give it a, a, an acoustic treatment and so on. So again, like we've done, uh, last few years with, uh, you know, Deep Purple's When a Blind Man Cries, or, you know, Blores or Cults, Veterans of a Thousand Psychic Wars, or Nathoros, uh, uh, you know, different Nathoros songs, and, and whatever. Uh, it, there's so much great material out there that we just love to play, and then getting a chance to turn our fans on to the stuff that has uh, had a significant impact on us over the years is an additional treat, and... um and then, you know, obviously for, you know, turning people on to some bands that they maybe would not know, like, uh, like we said, like the Merciful Fates or the Diamond Heads or, or even uh, smaller new wave of British heavy metal bands or whatever is a, a, a total bonus. So it, that's, uh, what is it called, a win-win all, all the yeah, way around? <laughs> for sure. So uh, for we, sure. we definitely, I mean, uh, be, being playing covers, other people's material will always be uh, a significant part of 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 the DNA of Metallica, and um, and who knows what's ahead of us. But uh, you know, those we're always talking about something else that we can do with other people's material. So I I I, I would expect that to uh, to be a significant part of, of of who we continue to be. All right, so I got about three minutes left before I got in the show. I had, when I made these lists, I had, and it's so hard, it's so hard coming up with the number one. But for you, for you guys, I I think, here's how I think, right? I think like, okay, if a kid came up to me and wanted me to give them one song that per, they didn't know what Metallica was, they wanted one song that personified Metallica, that's usually how I calculate whenever i do these bands what that number one song is not necessarily it's the best of the catalog but it's the one song that says it all in the five seven six minutes whatever it is so my number one and the song that's coming up in the top three or four on most of the lists i've taken so far is the song master of puppets if you lars ulrich met a kid and the kid had no idea who you were or who metallica was and you had to play him one song can you tell what song would that be from you? Would it be puppets or would it be something else? Yeah, I mean, as you were as you were framing your question, uh, as I was uh, uh, rapidly running through my brain, I, I, uh, I mean, puppets is definitely a very, very, uh, very cl- 
close to a top choice because uh, I guess it's got uh, what is it you say it checks it checks a lot of boxes all the boxes so right. I mean obviously it's 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 a longer song it's uh it's it's kind of a journey and it's got the light and the dark the heavy and 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 the more melodic and and so it's got the many different moods obviously it's also got uh incredible uh, lyric uh, set of lyrics whatever you say um and 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 a lot of you know the lyrics are uh again very uh i think um can be whatever you want and i've had conversations with tons of people about different meanings and so on but you know when hetfield writes lyrics that that can be interpreted in any way that the listener wants obviously that's when i think that they're at the best and so you know it's got those those lyrics and and it it, it checks a lot of those boxes obviously uh another song uh, that checks a lot of those boxes is one that was my number two. Um, and, you, know, <laughs> you know, but then there are some deeper cuts. Uh, you know, I think, um, again, a song like Bleeding Me uh, has a lot of, of, of those boxes checks, checked also. And, and uh, you know, some of the stuff on the last couple of records, I mean, to me, uh, you know, it's a testament to, you know, I guess the strength of the last two records, Death Magnetic and Hardwired. Um you know that I still, you know, a lot of the the earlier records we, we would make them, and I've talked about this before. We'd make them, and then we kind of sit there like six months later, a year later, and go, well, I don't know about that mix, or I don't know what we were thinking on that outro. I don't know what was going on in that guitar part, or whatever. What what is that, that crazy drum fill, or whatever? But the uh, both Death Magnetic and Hardwire to me. Uh, the shelf life of both of those records in terms of me sitting there and questioning the decisions that were made uh, have, have both, uh, you know, they're, they're both come in still very, very uh, well on, on, on my critique list or whatever, however you would phrase it. So, I mean, I think that, um, you know, a song like Moth into Flame, uh, you know, like That's you said before, up. hardwired, uh, Halo on Fire. I love uh, those, Now That We're uh, Dead on the new album. Yeah, on my yeah list. I mean, those. I those, love uh, Now That We're Dead. Three, three, four years later, and even going back uh, to um, to uh, to Death Magnetic. I, when I was uh, jamming along uh, downstairs a uh, couple, two, three days ago, I was playing uh, Cyanide on drums. I was playing uh, Broken, Beaten, Scarred. Yeah. And I was playing All Nightmare Long, and a couple of those tracks still sound as, as fresh and relevant as they did, uh, I guess that's, what, 12 years ago? But, again, uh, uh, forced <laughs> forced to make a choice, I, I guess I would probably um, I would probably nominate Master of Puppets or One uh, as the ones that, that cover... Uh, you know, most of the bases and most of what we in Metallica are the proudest of in terms of what we do. I, I, you, brilliant minds think alike because that was my number one and my number two songs on my list. So I have total, total justification <laughs> the next couple of days when I fight with my audience that you just said my number two, listen, listen, one and bro, two songs. I always, I always got your back, man. No worries. Thank you, uh, man. I, I could, if, if it gets nasty, uh, just if it gets nasty, text me. I'll call in you and. Got- uh, I'll help settle the score. Thanks to Lars Ulrich. So cool of him to take the time to call into the radio show, and great that I could share it with you here on the podcast as well. We'll take a break. We'll come back. A second interview for you this week. 
Coming up next, Robert DeLeo of Stone Temple Pilots. Hey, 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 this is NFL Hall of Famer Ray Lewis. I'm excited to announce my new podcast, Everyday Greatness, the Ray Lewis Podcast. I'll be talking with friends, family members, old teammates, athletes, celebrities, moguls, and guess what? I'll be talking to you. Listen, this is all in the search for everyday greatness. So I'm asking you to come along with me on this ride. Download new episodes of Everyday Greatness, the Ray Lewis Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on PodcastOne.com. It's not what you have. It's what's inside of you that actually inspires greatness. Eddie Trunk back with you on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Next up, Robert DeLeo of Stone Temple Pilots. Remember, in this conversation you're about to hear, Robert does talk about a streaming concert that is happening that night. That, of course, has already passed. Uh, but obviously, this was still an interview I thought would be worth bringing to you as a second one in this week's Double Dip. So enjoy Robert DeLeo talking a little Stone Temple Pilots and more on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Robert, how are you, my friend? Eddie Trunk, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, I've been thinking of you and your brother, Dean, a lot lately. You know why? Why? Not only because you're... Not not only because you're wonderful people and a wonderful band and great musicians oh. and friends, but because oh, I've been you, spending I, in this pandemic time, uh, because just like you, I'm not on the road all that much uh, with because there's nothing going on. I've been home a lot more, and I've been yeah. spending my summer for the most part at my my house <laughs> at the Jersey Shore, the true breeding oh, grounds of of the Deleo brothers, which many don't know, and we've bonded over. <laughs> In the past, and as I walk the boardwalk at Seaside Heights and smell the aroma of the salt air and the cheesesteaks and the taffy, I think of the Deleo brothers. I'm like, yeah, this is their spot. It's where they should be. You know, you, uh, it's uh, you know, it's 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 daily when I think about those those scents and aromas walking down the boardwalk, and uh, you can't forget <laughs> the orangeade at uh, Jenkinson's. That's always been a popular beverage since I've been a little kid. You know. How about the lemonade that comes from the giant swinging lemons suspended above the booth that looks like a garden hose that dispenses it? It's it's amazing because you think about it. I mean, wasn't there once a horse that jumped off the pier at, at Atlantic City? So, I mean, we've got some pretty quirky, cool things there happening at the shore. You know, I can't believe you brought that up. Because last week I hadn't been I hadn't been to Atlantic City in like six seven years, and last week I I went there with my daughter who's sixteen, and we walked out onto the steel pier, and I told her that story about the horse that used to jump, and she was appalled. She's like, "Did the horse actually want to do that?" And I was like, "I don't know. It was a different time. I couldn't tell you if the horse was down with it or not." Yeah, I think that was more along the lines of uh, let's make them do it so we can make some money kind of thing, you know? (laughs) I don't think it'll fly today. I don't think it would fly in today's world, Rob. No, no, not at all. Well, anyway, man, you uh, it's good to catch up with you. Before we talk about your uh, big streaming event tomorrow, 
how's I mean, you're you're not only are you out there with STP, but you're you've been out there with, you know, various other bands and working with different people over the years. How has this downtime yeah. been for you and how have you been handling, you know, lockdown? You know, it's it's been it's been very therapeutic, you know, and I, I know that uh you're supposed to stay home, but I you know, I, I really chose to go to places that uh were kind of isolated and there weren't a lot of people around. So I've been doing a lot of fishing, going to a lot of places in northern and central California just to uh you know, really, really experience some, some places that are usually a bit crowded but literally have no one has been there so it's been it's been kind of a treat to do these things i like to do with absolutely no one there and um it's been safe and it's been away from people and uh it's it's been it's been very therapeutic it's been great you know i've talked the, the different artists i've talked to over the last four or five months all have a little bit of a different take because some are just like such road dogs i'm just itching to get out. I'll take any gig. I'll go out now, whatever. And others have been like, you know, this sort of forced being around has actually been a great recharge and a great reset. And it sounds like you're more in that camp. It is. I think it's a good chance for us all to kind of look at ourselves and look at how we're treating other people and treating ourselves and, you know, not to get too heady. And, but, you know, I think it's, I think it's been a great time to really, value what um is important you know and those are the simple things you know for me i think um you know the simpler the better and um i think when we all come out of this i don't know if the new way of looking at things but hopefully we all kind of uh, at least value those things that um that really matter that we can kind of take advantage of right now and it's you know it's kind of starts starts within ourselves you know so it's been it's been a, it's been a good healthy uh process there but you know as far as making music it's it's um i get really itchy and uh you know hence what we're doing tomorrow night you know well before we get to that have you guys been i mean a lot of the artists i'm talking to as well are writing and even some recording whether virtually or they're all getting tested and actually going into a studio i think we're going to have a flood of records now you guys put out a, a really cool record not very long ago uh tell me if i'm saying it right is it per perdita how do you say it perdita perdita, perdita. so you guys put that album perdita. put out an album not not too long ago but have you been working on writing and and potentially recording new stone temple pilots more Every day, I mean, every day there's a, there's uh, writing. I've, I've 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 finally found the perfect couch guitar, <laughs> which is which has been like my best friend, and uh, I I play it every day, and there's always a song coming out. So I have a, a, a big a big repertoire of songs that are have been written, and um, yeah, every day. I mean, I can't get away. That's that's been the most uh, creative part too of 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 this whole pandemic is is being able to just sit down and 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 really work out um you know life um you're kind of always on the on the go and on and and running and running and running especially being a musician and sometimes it's just nice to kind of put it in neutral and sit down and kind of observe uh you know 
what life has been like, what life's what life is like now, what life is going to be like. You know, that's the whole process of writing for me. Do you have a timetable to record, or are you just writing right now? Just writing, just writing and figuring out what to do with these songs, whether they're going to be SDP songs, uh, my own stuff, uh, you know, songs for other people. I think it's just a matter of just getting down what I can get down, and when it when it's when it's time to grab the guitar and put something down, I, that's that's what I do. I don't really put a label on it where, where it's going to go. I'm just kind of getting them all together right now and just kind of feeling that out, you know. Would, yeah, would every you day lo- is writing. Right. Yeah, since you are since you are so prolific as a writer, would you is there I mean I'm sure you've got a lot of stuff that might not be right for STP. Does the idea of ever doing uh your own record as a solo artist appeal to you at some point? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, um I I just put something down that I played guitar and bass on and uh had a good friend of mine from a band called the mother hips uh his name's tim bloom had him uh do some amazing uh lead vocals on it and uh so just feeling that out i put that down and uh came out really nice and just kind of deciding what direction to uh go with you know there's a lot of singers i admire i'd love to sing some stuff myself but i you know when i have a song i think of you know um you know jay from rival sons always comes about i love love his voice and his whole vibe and his whole feel of singing and you know there's other other avenues i'd like to explore but you know like i said right now it's just a matter of just kind of um writing this stuff and see what direction it takes me you know mm. yeah well, I, I love jay i think he's one of the i mean i love the band and i mean i you guys of course toured with rival yeah. sons which is a phenomenal thing and you know, everybody's trying to navigate this, and I think that once we're on the other side of it, there's going to be more shows than ever, anybody knows what to do with, and there's going to be a ton of records because people are just sort of writing and at home and sort of reconnecting and being being creative in the ways they can, and I think we're going to see a slew of stuff coming down the pike when the, the coast is all clear. Yeah, I, 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 I agree, and I think, I think um, you know, Keeping keeping relationships nurtured is is really important too. Um, you know, it's it's been a it's been a a nice nice break to really have the time to talk with people because you know it's always that kind of thing where you call someone and like I can't really talk right now I'm really busy and and it's nice to you know reach out to friends and family and really you know connect with people. It's yeah, it's, it's in normal times. It's like if the phone actually rings with an actual call, you almost get startled. <laughs> what are you doing I, calling yeah, me? You don't, exactly. nobody talks anymore. It's supposed to be a text or an email for God's sakes. <laughs> well, I mean, there was a time when we, you know, put a quarter in a, in a, uh, in a, in a, in a phone booth, you know, and <laughs> talk to people on the phone, but you know, it seems to have, uh, gone away. And, um, you know, it's nice to get on the phone. I, I prefer getting on the phone. And as my as my mom used to say, you know, she was she was she had the gift of gab, so she liked to gab. And I, you know, when I get on the phone, I can I can do some gabbing. So yeah, yeah well, me thing. yeah, me as well. I fall in that category. That's why I host a talk show. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to get paid for gabbing, isn't it? <laughs> 
Exactly. Exactly. I mean, uh, you know, Zach Wilde always says to me, uh, Father Trunk, if you didn't do this, you'd probably be homeless because I don't know anything else. So there you go. Right. Hey, so let's talk about this stream because uh, until we get through this madness, it is we are all in a streaming world and streaming is all the rage and everybody is doing it different ways and at different levels. And tomorrow you guys will be doing a stream of the core album, which it's, it's funny. I was just thinking about this. It's already been, I think a couple years since I was in LA with you guys. And we did the special for the reissue of core for its anniversary, which I think was 25 years. And now you guys are doing a streaming event tomorrow, eight o'clock Eastern. Give us the info on this. Well, you know, I think it's part of uh, the musical aspect of what's happening with this pandemic. I think we all got a little itchy, of uh, not doing anything. And, um, you know, we just thought, what a better way to start with just starting with our first record. And, you know, for people who aren't familiar with our music, um, just start there from the beginning. And, uh, you know, I thought we thought it was a good idea to kind of um, do that and play the record complete. It's something that was kind of a challenge for us. There's some songs in there we, I don't think we ever performed. Um, Maybe once or twice, there's a song that ends the record called Where the River Goes. And um, we might have performed that a couple of times um, in the early days when we first started out, when we didn't really have any other songs to play. So we would play the full record, and uh, that was it. So, you know, there's a lot of things that go along with those songs and along with that record and memories and and people and, and, you know, Everything that goes along, all the emotional parts is going along with writing and playing music. And, and especially when it's a record that's, what is that, 30 years old? <laughs> More you, than, I think. You kind of lose track of it all, but yeah. Yeah, or no, not more than, uh, less than, but yeah, because 25, the, the 25 anniversary was, like I said, a year or two ago. So uh, probably somewhere 26, okay. 27 so years. 30 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. What, so yeah. have you ever have you ever played it top to bottom? No. Well, um, probably about the ninety two, ninety three, and that's when we were we were like, let's get going in the studio and make our next record, which was Purple, because then we'll have more songs to play live. <laughs> so we kind of looked at it like that. Like, um, yeah, we're getting kind of kind of, kind of tired of these songs, so. Let's let's go in and make some more music, and uh, that was purple. So yeah, we did play these songs. Um, you know, I think we did play the majority of these songs just because we had nothing else to play on the first record. But it's been a long, long time. Are you going to do it in sequence? Yes. And how have the yeah. rehearsals gone? I imagine you guys have been you know working through that for the last few days or a few weeks how is how's it felt to to do it we had a week to get together and um it's been great we chose to do it in a small rehearsal room and um just do it all live um bass drums guitar vocals and uh we have our good friend ryan williams who uh engineers and mixes for us we had him in the room with us and um just uh, putting up mics and, and, you know, turning up some amps and doing it all live. Four people in a small room. 
Yeah, and that's the thing that's interesting about this, Robert, as we watch, everybody is watching what's going on with streaming now, and it's it, everyone is sort of figuring this out, and everyone is doing streaming at different levels, whether it's somebody in their their you know bedroom with an iPhone or big production pieces and people trying to you know up the game a little bit with screens and lighting or just going into rehearsal studios or or somewhere in between everybody is trying to sort of figure this out some are doing it as a as a paid ticketed thing yours is a 9.99 to watch and you can uh, go to nugs nugs.tv that's where you can buy a, a ticket essentially for this so everybody's trying yeah. to figure out, you know, what, or I'm sorry, it's Nugs, yeah, Nugs.tv, and the app is Nugs.net. So everybody's using different platforms, trying different ways. Did you guys have a lot of dialogue about how you wanted to tackle this and what the best course would be for Stone Temple Pilots? Yeah, I think it was just keeping it really simple and getting in a room that we were, you know, it's it's funny because... You're, you're essentially doing a show, but we kind of made it so we're kind of in a circle instead of playing on a stage out to towards no one. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> so that kind of wasn't a very appealing because it's really, there's so much energy that you get off of people being there. That's so much a part of the show for me is just the energy of people there. That's really um, part of what rock and roll is. Um, so this is kind of a, a circle and we're playing and we're kind of going over this stuff and it's, it's real low key and, and just being in a small rehearsal place and just, um, you know, playing the songs like they were, like they were written, you know, outside of the album, outside of core in sequence, start to finish. Will you end by playing a couple other songs or is it you just staying with core? We're just doing core. We're just we're just sticking with that um, for now, and uh, it's just been a great experience going from top to bottom. Like I said, it emotionally and musically brings you back, and and you know you think about a lot of a lot of things, you know, that come up. Would you like to, at some point, if this goes well, would you like to go through the catalog and do other records? If that, you know, that would be great. It'd be fun. Um, it, it would definitely be fun to do that. Um, something, uh, we haven't really talked about yet, but I think, um, you know, it could be fun. We'll see how this, uh, we'll see how this turns out and goes. And I guess we'll take it from there. <laughs> and of course your current vocalist, Jeff Goot, I mean, how's, how's he embraced all this? And I mean, I imagine, I mean, he was a fan of the band before he joined, so I'm sure he's. He's pretty much all in and probably may, in some cases maybe knows this stuff better than you guys do. I find that out a lot when artists yeah, have newer yeah. members. It's like, yeah, they reminded us what we were doing. Yeah, just just did his homework and um, you know, he's 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 hundred percent there. And uh it's been great to walk in the room and he's prepared and um he's ready to tackle it. It's uh it's uh it's it's being pro, man. It's being pro, you know, and, and uh he's got that. He's got that uh that ability to do that. So outside of this stream, as far as STP world, you guys are all in the same boat, I imagine, as everybody else. You're just riding it out, 
and everything in as far as fu- the future with touring and everything is is all a, a question mark. You're just waiting for the all clear. D- d- is there anything on the books at all now? There's there's absolutely nothing right now, um, and I feel for everyone. You know, I think we're all in the same boat, and uh, we're all in the same position. It's it's tough. I I talk to friends, and you know they're doing what they can. But when you look make a living off of sports or entertainment or music, I mean it's 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 a tough ride right now. And um, you know uh, everyone's doing what they can. Uh, like I said, when this is over, I think will probably come up with new ways of doing things, which will uh, hopefully benefit, you know, the entertainment world. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be a little while before we see things totally normal, but I hope I'm wrong and, and we'll, we'll have to ride it out and see. All right. Before I let you go, and we want to remind everybody, the uh, live stream for Stone Temple Pilots is tomorrow, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. Go to nugs.tv, N-U-G-S.tv, buy a ticket, sign up, support these acts, all these people that are doing these streams, however they're doing them, they're doing it to stay out there, stay connected, and you know, and 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 keep the rock coming in some way. So check it out, core start to finish tomorrow, nugs.tv. So I've been on, I'm doing sort of like a Metallica week here. Lars called in yesterday, and yes. people are calling in their favorite Metallica songs and lists. I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to give me 20 songs because you weren't prepped for it, but do you have a standout? <laughs> are you a big Metallica fan, and do you have a favorite song? Um, I like I like the Black Album. I like that album. I like what Bob Rock did with that record, and it took them in a new position, new direction. And I think they were open to that, and they made that happen. I mean, old Metallica is such an institution, and it you know whether you like Metallica or not, they are a thing. They've created a thing that is Metallica. I mean, you can't deny that. You know. Yeah. Can't so you can't that. you, and that's interesting, and that's been an interesting uh, dialogue with the audience that has been calling in these lists because they're all over the map in terms of what era people jumped in. You have some people that jumped in with the Black Album. You have some people that were there from the beginning when they started this whole thing, like me when I started radio right from the start. And it's really fascinating to see how everybody looks at it, and and those early early fans might look at the Black Album as like, oh, that's you know, that's the sellout or whatever. And right. then, but then there's, a, right. there's obviously, it's one of the biggest selling records of all time. So there's obviously tons of people that jumped in at that time. It sounds like you jumped in more around the Bob Rock Black album period. Well, I've known of them for a long time. But as far as, you know, like sad but true, when I heard that there was a groove there that wasn't like anything they had done before. Yeah. And I and I appreciated it, and it was heavy, you know. Sonically, it was insane too. I mean, that song still sonically sounds unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, so but, what are you? Last thing uh, back on Stone Temple Pilots, I forgot. What are you most looking forward to playing from Core personally for you? Is it the songs like a sex type thing that's been in the set? since probably every show since the first album came out, or are you looking to dig into the deeper tracks you don't normally play that what's, what, what's the more exciting part for you? You know, for me going through this rehearsal, it's been 
song we never really performed, and I hope we kind of put it in the set now. It's a song called Where the River Goes. It's a, it's a song that ends the record. Right. And it was one that was kind of, um, you know, as we wrote more songs, it kind of got put on the back burner. And um, it was really fun to play that. It was really great to play that. Um, that's the one that stuck out to me. Well, I look forward to uh, checking it out, and I hope it goes well. And I hope you do the other records, too. It'd be, I mean, look, we all hope that you're on the road playing in front of a live audience and you actually have <laughs> everyone's back on every that's what everybody wants but i hope it goes well as far as the best that a stream can go are you going to um you know major league baseball is putting cardboard cutouts in the audience piping in applause <laughs> are any of that going to go on or are you just going to keep it sterile <laughs> no we're just we're just playing music and you know maybe the other records will be a pandemic concept but ideally i'd love to see this band back out on the road with everyone else um, yeah. back on the road. Like I said, it's, it's affecting all of us the same. And uh, it'd be great to have music in our lives again, live music, you know? No doubt. Well, listen, man, when you do get back East, I got a cheesesteak at Midway and uh, a lemonade from the giant <laughs> lemon swinging plastic lemon for you. Anytime on me, man, I, I would appreciate that. And you know, <laughs> Being from Jersey, we can we can appreciate that. And uh, thank you, Eddie. I really appreciate that, man. You got it, man. Say hello to everybody and good luck tomorrow with the stream. Okay, man. Be safe and well, man. You too. Take care, Robert. Much love, Eddie. See you, man. Bye-bye. There he goes, everybody. Well, my thanks to Robert DeLeo. Good guy. And I don't think a lot of people realize that those guys started out and are from originally New Jersey, which was always a bond that he and I had and always fun to talk about with him, uh, even though they've been Southern California-based for decades now. But thanks to Robert, and I hope to get a chance to check out that stream that he talked about. It happened uh, about a week ago, and... Heard good things about it, but didn't have a chance to watch it myself. And I hope they consider doing full performances of the other records as well. Look, I hope, like everybody, that they get back to just doing regular concerts, and we can all do that. But until then, a cool idea to do an album in its entirety. So thanks to Robert DeLeo. Thanks to Lars Ulrich. Thank you, most of all, to you for listening and subscribing to this podcast. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She is the producer. See you next Thursday for a new episode. Remember, follow on Twitter at Eddie Trunk, Instagram at Eddie Trunk, fan page on Facebook at Eddie Trunk, and EddieTrunk.com is the official online home. And if you're looking for some uh, cool gifts for somebody, maybe a unique gift and you'd like a personal video message, be sure to check out my profile on Cameo. All right, you guys have yourselves a great week. I'll see you next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, free as always, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and PodcastOne.com. Have a good week.
Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.